You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Well, over the next four weeks as we come in towards Easter, we're going to have a focus from the Gospels on Jesus, and we're going to speak about meeting Jesus. I wonder if we can say that together. We're going to look at meeting Jesus, and it is our conviction that Jesus wants to meet us, and that when we meet him, he transforms us. Everything that Jesus is, when we allow him to invade our world, to come in to our space and our lives, everything that is good about him can impact us and transform us. Our encounter with him is not incidental, it is transformational. And and we believe that this high and holy one has made himself available that we would meet him and go on meeting him. I don't know if anybody here has has ever met anybody famous. Has anyone anyone met anybody famous? You'd be willing to to shout it out. Who have you met? Sorry, I didn't hear that. Your wife. Well, wow. Stephen, you're such a creep. Uh, like, uh, I mean, okay, she's famous in your world. I, I understand that. I, I, think, I think most people understood what I meant. Um, but thank you for your contribution. I'm sure it will go well for you the rest of today. And I wish I'd thought of that. Um, so, yeah, me too. I met my wife. Yeah. And, any other guys want to join with Stephen in case they get into trouble? Okay, so, yeah, we... We all, yeah, we felt that. We were all going to say that. Um, anybody meet anybody properly famous? Yeah. Mike Tyson. Mike, ooh, everyone, did you hear that? Ooh. People, that was like, impressive, wasn't it? Yeah. Pardon? Ah, oh, Heston Blumenthal. I thought, Esther Montali, I don't know her. I, that's, what, that's, that's what I heard. Someone in the early service said, oh, getting quite excited, yeah. Mourinho. Jose Mourinho. Someone in the first service said, met Prince Charles. Oh, wow, that, that was good, right? Okay, that was a popular. Okay, we'll take one more, okay, yeah. Billy Graham. And, and when you say that, did you meet him personally, or were you just in a big crowd? In person. Wow, you, you were like that. Tight. <laughs> Me and Billy. Wow. Well, you know, I, I used to work for, for Walker's Crisps, and some people say to me, did, did you ever meet Gary Lineker? And the truth is, yes, I did. When I was, I know. Uh, well, <laughs> and we talked about that quarterfinal, uh, 1986, England-Argentina. We talked about, you know, the, the so-called hand of God game. Uh, but the thing was, I met Gary Lineker and we talked, but I never met him again. And, and I don't know, did, did, you meet, did you keep in touch with Billy? No, okay. Do you, I mean, I know your wife, okay, that's a different one, okay. But well, like, generally what happens, you, you meet someone famous, but you don't exchange numbers. You don't keep in touch. But here's the incredible thing that this Jesus, the greatest of all people, that we can not only meet him, but we can go on meeting him. Day after day by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Maybe you're here today and you've never met Jesus in that sense. You've never encountered his love and his grace. You've never begun a journey of knowing him. I want to tell you today you can begin that journey. You can meet him by the power of the Holy Spirit. But for those of us who have met Jesus, we can keep on going and meeting Jesus. And this is going to be the thrust of this little series as we head in towards Easter to encourage us to keep meeting Jesus, to keep making space in our world. You see, when I was 17, I gave my life to Christ for the first time in in a little response group last night at the end of the evening. I, I had seven young people in my group. It was my highlight of the last two nights with these young people who just prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into their world. And to see the openness in their faces, their their hearts, their receptivity, their wanting to know how to get started on this journey, it was so awesome. And it reminded me of of, uh, 17, giving my life to Jesus for the first time. And I knew nothing. I knew nothing about what I was entering into. And I, I thought that I was dealing with my sin and almost doing a transaction that I'd come to a conviction I was a sinner in need of a savior. I needed to do my business. And that was true. But thank God it wasn't a one-off transaction. It was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. And I don't know if you've also noticed that normally in life, the, the lesser goes to the greater. The, there's a, a, a church leader who in scale and influence and maturity and years is, is way beyond where we are. And, and I've wanted to connect with him for some time. It's taken 12 months in two weeks. We're going to go and see and sit with him and glean from his wisdom. But guess what? We're, we're making the journey. It's normal protocol. It's appropriate. The lesser travels to the greater. But this is what we see in the Gospels. The greater comes to the lesser. This incredible Jesus... There's the rare occasion like in John 3 where it says Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. But most times it seems the ordinary people on the pages of the Bible, if I can call them that, the people with whom you and I most readily identify, Jesus comes to them. He comes to their world. And this is what we're going to look at today as we turn to Luke chapter 19. Over these four weeks we're going to home in on an aspect of who Jesus is as we consider meeting him. And today we're going to look at meeting Jesus the Savior. Meeting Jesus the Savior. How fitting on a weekend of salvation in this place that we would look at Jesus the Savior. In Luke 19, we're not actually at the message of the cross, although that is altogether so precious. We're looking at the story of Zacchaeus the tax collector. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. This is what the Bible says, Luke 19, verses 1 through to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. He was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short and could not see over the crowd, sorry, because he was short and could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. 
Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, thanks be to God. I'd like to put it to us today that Jesus saves. Jesus is in the saving business. It's who he is and it's what he does. He is the savior of the world because he died on the cross for the sins of the world. And through his cross and through his resurrection, he won salvation once and for all. And he brings salvation to all who will receive him. But moreover, and this is the bit I think we can sometimes miss as Christians, as believers, that not only has Jesus saved, but Jesus is saving. And if we meet with Jesus, if we make room in our world to meet with the Savior, if tomorrow morning you get up and meet with him, his salvation is available to you. And if you think, well, I already did that, let me help us understand. Thank God that he did that, but thank God that he does that. We need salvation to come to this house day in, day out. We need to continue to meet with the one who saves. The Bible says, I have been saved, I will be saved, and I am being saved. And more of that a little later. Three thoughts for us to consider today. Firstly, when we meet Jesus, we have a choice. I wonder if we can say that together. When we meet Jesus, we have a choice. We have a choice. We have a choice how to respond. In the story of Zacchaeus, we see a story of salvation, but Zacchaeus received salvation because he positioned himself in a certain way. And I wanted to suggest to us that Jesus is passing through. This is what the Bible says. He came and entered Jericho and was passing through. And Jesus is passing through this week. He's passing through your world. He's passing through this room right now. And Zacchaeus laid hold of something that changed his life because he positioned himself. You see, we have a choice how we position ourselves with all people. We we have a choice whether we engage with people, whether we take an interest, whether we believe the best. We can so often we can be quick to judge people and we fail to see their goodness. We fail to understand who they are. We have a choice how we position ourselves towards others. But we also have a choice as to how we position ourselves towards Jesus. Last Sunday afternoon, I went to the tribute service here in Coventry at the cathedral for Cyril Regis. Many of you will know Cyril Regis died at the age of 59 recently. had been a, a famous footballer, played for Coventry City and West Brom and Aston Villa, played for England. But also he was a real breakthrough sportsman for black sportsmen in the UK and was an incredibly humble and gentle guy, and, and also was a passionate believer in Jesus. In fact, we, they, they worshipped at Renewal in Solihull, where, where the guys uh, have been uh, holding the other gig on, on Friday night here. And, and Cyril had actually been so impacted, he got saved, I understand, through uh, Lauren Cunningham's uh, untimely death as a young footballer, and he started questioning his own life, came to faith in Jesus. And, and because of that, he'd written something to be read at his funeral, and Johnny Lee, who is, who is the senior associate pastor, uh, shared with me that what Cyril had written, which was read out, I understand, at the Hawthorne's tribute service, where, where Cyril said, ultimately, I, I don't want to be remembered for being a great sportsman. I don't want even to be remembered as a, a breakthrough sports person for black people. I want to be remembered as a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And if you're here listening to this, it's because I've gone to be with him, uh, and I would like to see you on the other side. 
Wow. And I went to the tribute service last Sunday. It was, it was great. About 18 months ago, Lamar and Carol Walters, many of you know Lamar from plays keyboard here. It was their wedding, and I went, I went to his wedding and their wedding, and they'd invited me to bring the address. And it was a beautiful, traditional Anglican church, which wasn't designed for fire regs. And uh, so, like, you know, there's about 300 people trying to leave the building through a little door, and it's kind of bottlenecking as we're all heading out. And this guy comes alongside me and says, oh, thank you so much for that address. He said, it was brilliant. He said, like, where, where is your church in Coventry? And I said, oh, we're in the city center. I said, why do you know Coventry? And he said, yeah, I know Coventry. I said, oh, how do you know Coventry? And he said, oh, I used to work there. And I said, oh, where, where did you work? And he said, I used to work at the football club. And I looked at him, and although he's a bit older than me, he was a very athletic-looking gentleman, and, and I said, oh, did you play? And he said, yeah, I, yeah, I did play, yeah. And I don't know many Coventry City footballers from that era, but I said, well, what's your name? And he said, oh, my name's Cyril. And I went, no way! <laughs> I said, you're not Cyril Regis. And he was like, oh, yeah, stop it. So I said, oh, no, I've got to get a selfie. And it was like, so he was like, oh, no, should never have. I mean, wow, it was beautiful, actually, his humility. But I could so easily have missed who it was I was talking to. And I think Jesus can be passing through our world and yet we can miss him. We can miss the opportunity to allow who he is to impact and invade our world. Zacchaeus, the Bible says he was a short man and he couldn't see because the crowd was getting in the way. I want to ask you, what's getting in your way? What? Is getting in your way this week. For me, the thing that normally gets in my way is busyness. I can find myself, it becomes my crowd. And I have to make a decision to reposition myself. I spoke to a couple between the service who, services who have been going through massive trial in their family. And she and her husband have got up earlier than normal for the last week, for five days. And they've prayed together. They've they've. They've climbed their tree, if you understand the illustration. And by the end of a week, everything has turned around. She was so rejoicing. She could not believe how much has changed in one week of prayer. They positioned themselves to see Jesus. I want to encourage you, my friends, to make a choice, to position yourself to see Jesus. You see, I, I've come to understand this is how it works. Jesus passes through. He is not distant. He has come near, and yet he does not impose himself upon us. He waits for a heart response from us. He waits for something. But it says that when he reached the spot, he looked up, and I love the New King James because it says, and he saw him. All we know is there's a crowd, and we know it's a sycamore tree. We don't know how obvious Zacchaeus was, but I might suggest that it could have been easy to walk past and to miss Zacchaeus. But the Bible says, but Jesus saw him. And he didn't just see him, he saw him. And I've come to know that if I make myself visible to him, if you understand, if I position myself in some way to engage with him, he sees me. He said to Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I must come and stay at your house today. And it says that Zacchaeus came down immediately and welcomed him gladly, are the words of the Bible. And I've come to learn there is this reciprocal relationship where he comes close, but he waits for me to respond. And if I respond, he comes towards me. He makes a statement that he wants to come and eat with me. And then if I welcome him gladly, and this is how we continue to meet with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit.
My friends, we need to keep meeting with Jesus. He and he alone can transform our lives. Secondly, when we meet Jesus, we encounter grace. Jesus' response to Zacchaeus was such a shock. It shocked the crowd. They began to mutter, the Bible says. And they knew that everybody wanted Jesus. But this sinner, this chief tax collector, and the Bible is super economical in its words, as so often it is, and you could use a little more information. But you read between the lines, and you see Zacchaeus' confession when he says, if I have cheated anybody, and you get the picture, this guy had cheated everybody. This guy was despised and hated within his community. He was notorious as the chief tax collector in Jericho. They knew who he was, and he was isolated in his world. They knew that he was a sinner, and everybody would have wanted Jesus to come to their house, but he comes to Zacchaeus' house. But Jesus, he calls him down, and he doesn't condemn him. And he could have done. He doesn't challenge him, and he could have done. He accepts him, and he validates him. Now hear me right, because salvation comes to his house and Zacchaeus is transformed. The Bible says Jesus came with grace and truth. His truth comes to set us free and to change us and transform us. And we need his truth. This is part of the Savior. This is part of salvation coming to our house that we receive his truth. But I find it interesting, it doesn't say truth and grace, and I don't want to read more into the scripture than is intended, but I think it says grace and truth, because in my experience, Jesus always brings truth, but always leads with grace. When I come to him, I don't find myself challenged and then cared for. I found myself overwhelmed by grace. Grace ultimately will undo us. It was Zacchaeus' undoing. He was despised and hated. Everybody had told him what a rotten sinner he was, and it had not made any difference in his life. But grace was his undoing. When Jesus came to his house, and I want to say that to us today, because sometimes we can, we can fall, we can fall back in our walk with God. We can be so aware of our sin, and in our shame, we, we somehow withdraw from Jesus at the very moment when we need him the most. And somehow we maybe lose sight of the fact that if we draw near to him, although he will bring us into truth, we will encounter grace. Grace will always be our undoing. I remember I was probably about early 20s and I had my first car. And I remember I was going to an appointment and I was running late. I was on the minutes. And I needed to get this appointment that I couldn't miss. And I was heading into town, in the, the town where we lived. And I had an idea of where I could park, which was a church car park that I knew about, which I didn't have permission to park in. But I thought I could just dump my car and run for it and I'd get to my appointment. And I went there and I drove into the car park. And to my dismay, there were no spaces left. But there was a space that wasn't really a space. And I saw it and I thought, ooh. That could be a space <laughs> right here. And I, and, I, and I pulled into it, and I, I got out of the car, and I looked, and it, that wasn't going to work. And I, I kind of got back in, and I, I pulled in a little bit tighter to the next car, and I kind of looked. I thought, I can get away with that. And I ran, and I got to my appointment. And everything went well, but as I was returning to the car, but I started to remember about my car being in the space that wasn't a space. 
And I started to think, what if somebody's there that has seen that and I'm going to get into trouble? What if I arrive and I'm going to be confronted? And in my internal world, in my self-talk, I got involved with a confrontation that hadn't actually happened yet. Hello? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Is it just me that's going mad? So I, I was, I'm going and I'm readying myself for a fight. I'm ready in myself for the general manager that's going to come out and go, Oi, is that your car? I'm going, no, no it's Jack's. Um, and I got ready and I walked in. There was a letter and it was on my windscreen. They'd already got me. Oh. And I took it and I looked. I was ready. And it said, dear friend, dear friend, we hope you've had a great day today. We have been praying for you. We'd like you to know for future reference that your parking here has been, is, has been an inconvenience for us and it would really help us if you didn't do it again. And we hope that you will receive that within the grace which it is intended. May the Lord bless you. Oh! Oh, the worm that I am! Who knows? That was worse it was better, but it was worse. Grace is our undoing. I felt, oh, the power of grace. The power. Let's, let's be people of grace. This week, somebody crashes into your car. Know this, they didn't intend to. Don't be cross with them. Don't do road rage if you're a believer in Jesus. Grace. Somebody carves you up. Let them. Somebody carves you up in this side, turn the other side. Hello? Well, it's not so popular. Grace. Let me tell you, my friends, you might be struggling in sin right now. You might have withdrawn from God. Salvation needs to come to your house. You will need to put right what is wrong and there's something within you. It will liberate you when you do. Do you, do you see the tone? I, I don't think I read too much into it. There's something beautiful when Zacchaeus says, Look, Lord, here and now, that you, you see that he's reached a place of freedom. He's beyond it. His restitution goes beyond what the Jewish law said it should have done. It, there are different laws depending what's happened if you've done somebody out or something. There was that one law where you have to pay back plus a fifth. There's one law where you have to do double. Only in the case of a violent robbery was it fourfold. And Zacchaeus says, I'll do fourfold. The guys got free. Grace will come and it will undo us. But don't hide from Jesus. Jesus is passing through. Even today, before we finish this service, some of us, we can get right afresh with God. But let me tell you, he'll meet you with grace. It's what we find when we first draw near. And thirdly, when we meet Jesus, we meet the Savior. We meet the Savior. He comes to save. He comes to change us. He comes to renew us. You know, I don't know why this happens, but there's like this battle within us, isn't there? We have been transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And yet, there is this work within us of sanctification, of becoming new. We have been made new, but we're still becoming new. We have been saved, we will be saved, and we are being saved. Now, I love it in Ephesians 
chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and put on your new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Put off your old self, put on your new self. But we need, this is why we need the Savior, because he will help us to keep putting on the new self and putting off the old self. You know, it reminds me of like a, a football strip, and excuse the football illustration for those who don't like football, but can you imagine playing for a team that kind of seems on a global scale inconsequential? Uh, for argument's sake, Bedworth United. Now, actually, I know Bedworth United are a good local team, but on a global scale, it's, it's, don't fall out, don't write to me if you're a Bedworth United fan. But can you imagine playing for Bedworth United on the road with, you know, a hundred and, I don't know, a thousand people watching, whatever it is, and being scouted by Barcelona? And a scout coming and saying, we want to take another look at you. And they, do, they have a look, they put you through a fitness test, they sign you. And you get moved into a mansion and paid mega bucks and you're in the new camp. You're now been signed. You are a new player for Barcelona. And you're in the changing room with Messi and Suarez and Iniesta. And you've got your strip is hanging up in this incredible new camp changing room. And everyone's getting ready for the game. And you're about to go out there to play alongside these world-changing footballers. And you're out of your bag, you get your Bedworth United shirt. And you start putting it on again. Don't you think Lionel Messi would say, what on earth do you think you're doing? That's not you anymore. But my friends, it can be like that with us. We've been transformed into the kingdom of light. And yet sometimes we can put on the old self, the old shirt. This is why we need the Savior. We need the Savior for the cross to deal with our sin, but we need the Savior now. We need the Savior in our world that will help us to put on the new self. We don't fully understand what happened with Zacchaeus. I mean, it, it says that the crowd started muttering, and the next thing it says, it says that Zacchaeus says, Look, Lord, but it, we don't really read whether he went to the house other than Jesus says, Today salvation has come to this house. It's my conviction. They must have gone to his house. They must have eaten together. That Something must have happened that transformed this guy. The saving grace of Jesus. Jesus changed him. The Savior saved him. As we consider meeting Jesus, I'd like us to understand that when we meet Jesus, we will meet salvation. It's who he is. He isn't just the Savior because of the cross. He's the one who saves. He can't help himself. You encounter Jesus, you're going to encounter the Savior. Not the one who did a saving work 2,000 years ago. He did, but he is salvation. Salvation belongs to our God. The psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is salvation. Salvation, Alistair McGrath, the theologian, puts it in his book, Christian Theology, is a complex notion. Salvation is a complex notion. What, how are we saved? What are we saved from? Who, how, how does this work? How does salvation work? What is its remit and its scope? It's a complex notion. And with, as with any area of theology, if you actually dive into it, you'll find it's more wonderful than you first conceived. You see, salvation is so massive and I think sometimes in our attempt to understand it, we can perhaps simplify it. We're prone, and, and rightly so, might I say, to focus on the cross. Because at its crux, we've been saved because Jesus died for our sins. 
Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, took the sin and shame of the world upon himself, nailed to a cross for you and for me. When I was 17 years old, I responded to the message of the cross and it changed my life. I received salvation. My own sin and shame that stood between me and the Father, I accepted was taken upon Jesus. He bore our sins in his body on the tree, the Bible says. Thank God for the cross. Thank God that salvation came to my life. Uh, And I'm sure across this room, most of us can say, thank God salvation came to my life. If you've never yet received salvation, we will give you an opportunity to respond here today in just a few moments. The Bible says in Acts 4, salvation is found in no one else. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Speaking of the cross and the resurrection. Salvation comes through Jesus. Acts 2, 47. The Lord added daily to their number those that were being saved. Those that were being saved. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'll be saved When I responded to this message of the cross and I went down the front of a little church and I prayed a prayer, I got saved. Thanks be to God. I knew that I was saved. I'm not sure got saved is good English, but we say that, don't we? And so we understand that salvation is past if we have come to Jesus. So that Ephesians 2, 8, Paul can write, it is by grace you have been saved. You have been saved. If you've given your life to Jesus, you have been saved. There is a work that was done. But we also understand that because in Jesus I have been saved from my sins and from myself to a new life in him, it's also true to say that I will be saved. I have been saved and I will be saved. 1 Corinthians 3 speaks about how we build with our lives and it says that that the, the fire will come and test each man's work. And what he has built with will be revealed by fire is what the Bible says. On the day, capital D, there's an understanding that there is a judgment to come and Paul is writing to believers and he's saying here, how you live your lives will be revealed by fire. And it says, if you've built with wood, hay or straw, with gold, silver or costly stones, the fire will reveal it for what it is. And then it goes on to say this. It says, if what you have built survives the fire, you will receive your reward. But if it is burned up, it says, you will escape through the flames, although you will be saved. Wow. Wow. We'll be saved because we're in Jesus, even if nothing we've built with from that point actually stands. Now, the paradox is, if there is salvation, there is transformation. By their fruit, we will know them. But there is a context here. But Paul writing says, he himself will be saved. Salvation future. Hebrews 1, 14 says, honor all ministering angel, sorry, honor all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation or those who are going to be saved. So here's the thing that I'm saying is that if you've given your life to Christ, you have been saved, but there's coming a day where you yet will be saved, but there's also a truth that I am being saved. 
And not just because I stand in the middle of those two points. There is a work of grace going on in me, which is why I need the Savior today. I can't rely on a moment for me as a 17-year-old. For you, I don't know. But at some point, you gave your life to Christ and you were saved and you rely on that that you will be saved. Don't miss out on the saving grace of the Savior, the one who passes through your world this week. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It's the power of God. Why, why, why didn't Paul write to those who have been saved? He says, those who are being saved. Why do you turn to your neighbor and say, you are being saved? You're being saved. My friends, when we receive his grace, we should shape our lives in response to it. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. My friends, salvation and transformation go hand in hand. If truly I'm saved, I will be transformed. Salvation and repentance go hand in hand. If there is no change, there probably is no salvation. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness unworldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. What's it saying? It's saying this salvation, if it's come to us, it teaches us. Out of that, something happens in us that draws us into a godly life. Zacchaeus had a radical change, and Jesus said salvation has come to this house. The sobering verses of Hebrews chapter 10 say, if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, only fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. My friends, we cannot live careless lives. But we have to hold on to that truth. Alongside this truth of 1 John, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that says, if we claim to be without sin, we declare, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. I don't know about you, but I need salvation to come to this house today. I thank God for the cross. I've never been the same since. I thank God for the finished work of the cross. I thank God that I have the assurance of salvation into eternity. But I need the Savior in my world right now. Because I am not yet living a perfect life. I have struggles. I wrestle. And so do you. We are being transformed, the Bible says, into his likeness. Change from one degree of glory to another. This is the work of salvation in us. We thank God for salvation past and salvation future. But we also need salvation now. We need salvation present. Hello? And the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, If I confess my sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive me my sins and purify me from all unrighteousness. My friends, why am I saying all of this? Because I want to urge us to be those that meet Jesus. I want to urge you to position yourself this week to get his attention. What does it mean to climb your tree? Maybe it means getting up early tomorrow morning to seek his face, to draw near and to know that he sees you. And to know that the one who has saved you is saving you. 
and to come and bring him your stuff and allow his saving grace to change you. Allow salvation to come to your house this week. Don't stay trapped in sin and shame, but walk in the freedom that he has prepared for you. Salvation now. I'm so glad I met him, but I need to keep meeting him. I'm so glad salvation came to this house, but salvation needs to keep coming to this house. Jesus says, the Son of Man, speaking of himself, came to seek and save what was lost. William Barclay says in his commentary on this passage that the word lost doesn't principally mean doomed to destruction. It means out of place, in the wrong place. You know, Zacchaeus' life was in the wrong place. He'd been living in the wrong place for a long time. And Jesus came and he was living in the right place. And today, there can be things in your life that are in the wrong place. But as you come to the Savior, they can be put in the right place. And I wonder as we come to a close, if we can pray in this place. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes? I'd like you for a moment to consider your own life. This Jesus, he's passing through. By the power of Holy Spirit, he's walking up and down the rows of this room. He comes and knocks on the door of your heart. I want to make two responses here today. Firstly, I wonder if there is anybody here you've never responded to the message of the cross. You've never given your life to Jesus. You've never accepted his saving grace. If you were to die tonight, you wouldn't have assurance of where you are going. And you know you need to make your peace with God. You need to receive salvation from Jesus. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you in a moment. But I'm going to ask you to respond. I'm going to ask you to do something that might seem difficult. But in the same way Zacchaeus made himself visible, I'm going to invite you to rise to your feet and to stand where you are as a sign of saying, I want to put my life right with Jesus today. I want to meet this Jesus. I want to have my sins wiped out. I want a clean start in my life. I know that I need that. And if there's anybody here and that's you today, as it was me when I was 17 years old, I'm going to invite you right now to stand to your feet where you are. To say, I need to respond to this message of the cross. If that's you, stand where you are. Wonderful. Anyone else? Great. There may be others in this place. Without looking around. If you know you need to make your peace with God. you join these that have stood I'll give you one more moment to stand right now I'm going to pray a prayer if you already know Jesus if you're in a relationship with him would you pray this with me to help these that are standing but if you're standing this is for you I invite you to pray it and mean it with all of your heart yeah I see that response anyone else quickly I want to join those that are standing here's the prayer Lord Jesus I thank you for dying for me. Thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. I repent right now of my sin. Please forgive me. 
come and make me new. Clean me from the inside out. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to walk with you, to go from this day, a changed person who has met you and learns to keep meeting with you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Why don't you take your seats? If you responded and stood up, I'd love you to come down at the end of the service. Come right down here quickly at the end and join with the prayer ministry team. We've got something we'd love to give you to help you on your journey of faith. But for the rest of us, can we continue in prayer for a moment? Because I know there are people here today. You need salvation to come to your house even today. Maybe you prayed a prayer many years ago. Maybe you gave your life to Christ. And in that sense, you could say, I am saved. But you need salvation to come afresh. There are some things that are in the wrong place today. There are some things you're carrying. Some things you, even in worship, people are there, they're, handed, they're raising their hands in worship. And, and, and you are conscious of some things that are not right in your life. And today, you know salvation needs to come to your house. And know that you will encounter grace. But you will also encounter truth. And Jesus comes and knocks on the door of your heart. Says, will you respond to my love and my grace today? To say sorry for those things, to determine to put them right. And walk out of here with a spring in your step and a joy in your heart. And if that's you, I'd love to pray with you today. My brothers and my sisters, there's no shame in this place. Let me tell you, we all have to come to this place. From time to time, again and again. And we think it should not be so, but it is so. And if that's you, don't walk out of this place with a heavy heart. Come and receive the Savior's grace afresh. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand right now where you are. We're going to pray before we finish our service. Just stand right now. I know there's many people who need to stand. Great. Right across this room, you need to put something right with God here today. You need to respond to his salvation. Salvation now. Just stand to your feet and join those that are already stood. Great. Don't be embarrassed. We're not looking around here. This is between you and God. The Savior's come that we might meet him. Let's give it one moment more. A handful of people need to stand. This is your moment. Don't go out of this place carrying what you're, you're battling right now. Maybe your heart's thumping in your chest. You feel embarrassed. You think this is stupid. Just respond to Jesus. We're going to pray. And again, if you're sitting down and you know the goodness of God in your life, why don't you join in? Pray with those who stand, but this really is for those that are standing. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for salvation. I bring you the things that are wrong in my heart and my life. Please forgive me. I just take a moment where you are and speak to the Lord, whatever might be on your heart today. Just tell him why you're standing. Bible says, Zacchaeus said, here and now, this is what I do. So here and now, pray with me, here and now,
I make a decision to choose life, to put right what has been wrong. I receive your salvation. Let it come to this house right now. Form in me something good for the honor of your name. Amen. Let me pray a quick prayer for you. Father, thank you for all those who have responded. Let them know a fresh start. Let salvation come and visit their world. Let them leave this place with a lightness in their spirit. And I pray anything that needs to be outworked in the coming days, give them the courage to do it. In Jesus' name.